All right, would you open God's precious holy word to 2 Kings 15. There is at this point in time in history, respective, regarding the northern kingdom of Israel, a rapid succession of kings. Um, it's an interesting uh, study, in my view, when you think of the, um, the depth of the sinful attitude of the northern kingdom, how it was pretty much entrenched. We keep seeing over and over again how these kings did the, they, they followed Jeroboam the first who made Israel to sin. That was the first king of the northern kingdom. And there was this unbroken line of evil kings who never forsook the ways of Jeroboam the first. And so the people became entrenched in their idolatry. And this is something that goes over a period of many, many decades. And though they are the people of God in the sense that they belong under the Abrahamic covenant, yet they were steeped in sin and idolatry to the point of no return until, they're, until they are uh, totally uh, absorbed into Assyria as the Assyrians sweep down and, and defeat them. And their fall was rather rapid and dramatic from being at the pinnacle of world power under Jeroboam II, whom we have already studied, until the time of the last uh, few kings. And these are the ones we'll be looking at here uh, tonight for the most part. Uh, just these, and then we'll finish with uh, a look at the succeeding king of Judah. Now, i say this. The account of these several kings that we're going to look at here is not found in Chronicles, in Second Chronicles. They've always mentioned both kings of Israel and kings of Judah until now. And it, it takes a careful study and analysis uh, of both accounts, the Chronicles and Kings, it is generally agreed that the record of the Chronicles, of the Kings that are written in the Chronicles, was written and recorded by priests of the temple. Therefore, they had a strong focus on the lineage of David. And the, you have to study this and it's very interesting. They only bring in the, the mention of the succession of the kings of the northern kingdom of Israel when it's relative to how it interacts with or affects the king of, the, of Judah, the southern kingdom, king, son of David. At this point, now, 
These kings, this list of kings in Israel, the northern kingdom, are only mentioned in 2 Kings, not mentioned in 2 Chronicles, which makes us understand how far gone the northern kingdom was. The, the priests that kept the records of the kings, primarily of the sons of David, their focus was on that, although they, as I said, briefly mentioned here and there these kings from the northern kingdom. The fact that they don't even, the fact that they just start leaving them out at that point is uh, proof and it's an emphasis on the fact that the northern kingdom had spiraled into spiritual insignificance practically, if you want to look at it that way, which is an interesting uh, take on how how, how sinful a nation can be, even though they are the covenant people of God in a sense, the 10 northern tribes, it reaches a point where during that era, their existence is, is uh, just not that important when it comes to these kings. But the record of these kings is given here in 2 Kings chapter 15, beginning in verse 8. We start with the reign of Zechariah. And I have an emphasis here on uh, the names of uh, these kings, uh, some of them, because every time you see uh, Yah at the end of a name, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Zechariah, even in the kings, it's because Yah at the end of it is the name of Yahweh. It is the shortened and condensed name of Yahweh that is usually used in, in, in a, a compound word or a name. So now we get to the 38th year of Azariah, the king of Judah. Zechariah, Zechariah, the son of Jeroboam, reigned over Israel and Samaria for six months. All right. Jeroboam II is the guy you may recall from last time that God used to build up the prosperity and the wealth of the northern kingdom because he had compassion for the people. I, I would hope you remember that, what we read and studied last time. Even though Jeroboam did that which was evil and Jeroboam was an evil king, God used him and worked through him because he had compassion for these people. Now you have to read during that time, Hosea and Amos, to understand how the population of the northern kingdom abused the compassion and blessing of Yahweh. They, the, the prophet Hosea, I think I've said this, talks, says what Yahweh says, the more they were increased, the more they sinned against me. So, so the more God blessed them, the more arrogant and God-rejecting they became. They were filled with themselves. They were filled with their riches and their wealth and what they could do. Now, in doing this, God, through Jeroboam, who reigned for 41 years, Jeroboam II, 
God caused the buildup of the wealth and the military of the northern kingdom so that they were the greatest nation in that part of the world. Nobody could contest the great northern kingdom of Israel. But now with the fact that they're only mentioned in 2 Kings, you don't see any mention of this in 2 Chronicles, makes us realize that the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back has occurred. When they throw the blessing of God back in his face and take his blessing to become more sinful, that's, that's too much. That's it. Um, so you have this rapid succession of kings and the stability of the kingdom under Jeroboam II, who reigned for 41 years, that stability is lost now. From then on, God blessed them through the reign of Jeroboam II. He used Jeroboam II to build up their personal prosperity and their national prosperity and their strength. And they only took what God gave them and spent it for more idolatry and, and more arrogance and more pride and selfishness uh, so that they had turned all of their attention to themselves and had no regard for God. And that, that was such that now it's just they're, they're given over to, the, to their own devices, which leads them to their absolute demise and defeat. So with that in mind, it's interesting to me because here is Zechariah, here's Zechariah, son of Jeroboam II. Now he was only king for six months, but look, look what his daddy named him. He gave him as part of his name, the name of Yahweh. It's, it's like, it's like prostitutes wearing a cross or drug, drug I don't know, the, just the, 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 the people of society who are utterly sinful and, and, and Christ rejecting and yet they, they try to maintain some kind of semblance of religion, which is itself a bad sign. You give somebody a name, it's supposed to reflect who he is, but here he didn't remember Yahweh. He cast Yahweh out. So there's this uh, form of godliness that denied its power. He did that which was evil in the eyes of Yahweh, as his forefathers had done. He did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam the first, the son of Nebat, which he caused Israel to sin. Shalom, the son of Jabesh, revolted against him, struck him before the people and slew him and reigned in his stead. The rest of the deeds of Zechariah are written in the book of Chronicles, the kings of Israel. This was the word of Yahweh, which he had spoken to Jehu, saying, your descendants of the fourth generation will sit on the throne of Israel. And it was so. So there is a fulfillment of the prophecy that was sent by the word of Yahweh. But, it, but the fulfillment itself is disastrous. All right. So then here's the reign of Shalom, who just previously missed, still the next king of Israel. Shalom, the son of Jabesh, 
became king in the 39th year of Uzziah, the king of Judah, he reigned a whole month in Samaria. And his name means recompense. So he doesn't have uh, Yah in his name anywhere. And Menachem, the son of Gadi, went up from Tirzah and came to Samaria. And he struck down Shalom, the son of Jabesh, and slew him and reigned in his stead. Now you can see how the strong government and administration of Jeroboam II is completely becoming unraveled. There's, there's, there's no leadership at the top. There's nothing but arrogance and pride and infighting and backstabbing and assassination. And all of these kings, except for one in this list, all of them except for one, died violently. And, and this is just a part of the judgment of God on the nation. The Bible is replete with examples of how when God judges a nation, he gives them what they want. He doesn't intercede. He lets them have what they want. And that leads to evil leadership, which in itself leads to conspiracy and murder and assassination and all of this other stuff where they worship themselves and the works of their hands and they do not worship Yahweh. So this guy reigns, Shalom reigns a whole month and Menachem killed him. The rest of the deeds of Shalom and his revolt that he revolted are written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. Then Menachem attacked uh, Tifta. and all those therein and its boundaries from Tirzah since he did not uh, open, he attacked it. Uh, and he ripped open all of its pregnant women. He's a sweet guy. So they're violent. The, the, the land becomes more violent. Hosea talks about it. In uh, Hosea, he says, they, by, by, by lying and swearing and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break all restraints and bloodshed touches bloodshed. That's part of what Hosea says in his prophecy with regard to, and during this time, uh, during the Northern Kingdom. So with unstable leadership, there is no, um, uh, there is no focus on, on caring for the people and so law and order breaks down and chaos ensues into the land. And so the people become violent and bloodshed touches bloodshed. So think about this. God's judgment is first of all, just okay, that's what they won't let them have it. The, the worst thing that God can ever do for us is to let us alone and let us have what we want. That is the worst thing that God can do for us. That's what happened in part of his judgment. He leaves them to their own devices. They become violent. They form violent uh, bloodthirsty mobs. They break out uh, all restraints against whatever was lawful. So killing and stealing and swearing and lying and committing ad uh, adultery, uh, they broke all restraints. And this un unlawfulness just begins to spread through the land and the population and the nation weaken. They are weakened. 
Now, this is creating, this creates a vacuum, a vacuum of strong leadership at the top. And when that vacuum is created, there will always be an enemy who will come in and fill the void. And that's where this nation uh, is headed, the northern kingdom of Israel. So here's the reign of Menachem in Israel. Now, his name means comforter, but he, he brought no comfort. The 39th year of Azariah, the king of Judah, Menachem, son of Gadi, reigned over Israel 10 years in Samaria. Now, this guy is, uh, is the only guy who had a lengthy, uh, a lengthy reign as king. He did that what was evil in the eyes of Yahweh, did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and he caused Israel to sin all of his days. Then Pul, the king of Assyria, invaded the land, and Menachem gave Pul 1,000 talents of silver that his hands might be with him to strengthen the kingdom in his hand. Okay, now, here is the next step downward in God's judgment of a nation that just a couple of three decades earlier, a couple of decades earlier, was the strongest nation in that area. Nobody could oppose the great northern kingdom of Israel under the leadership of Jeroboam II. That's because, as the word of God told us, he was working through Jeroboam II to, stre to strengthen the nation, to bless the people because he had compassion on them. They, were, they had nothing. And, he, and, and God had compassion. And so working through that king in his reign, the nation is built up to a great place in the world. But then he dies, and as Hosea said, they just used the blessings of God for themselves and to sin. Gave, as a matter of fact, Hosea goes on and he says, and there was no knowledge of God in the land, like priest, like people. So they had this crazy priesthood, and this crazy religious priesthood apparently was preaching, you know, hey, you do what you want to do. It's your life and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and the people became unrestrained. They were not restrained by law. They were not restrained by religion. Uh, they certainly had no restraints upon themselves. So the, the, the nation just begins to break down into absolute lawlessness. This guy, Menachem, apparently was working for a while. There, there are historical indications that he did not become that he did not become king of Israel immediately, that he had to work through conspiracies uh, and, and other things. And the way that he was able to come to the throne was to cut a deal with the growing world power, Assyria. So he cuts a deal uh, with, with uh, the king of Assyria and he gave him a lot of money. Not only that, but as, it's, as it is seen, Assyria takes more and more of the land of the northern kingdom away from them. So he, he becomes a puppet. Israel becomes a vassal state to the northern kingdom. And they, they, surrender, they surrender the sovereignty of their land to, an, to another nation and allow the borders to collapse and don't do anything about it. And that's part of God's judgment on these people. And he even pays them off. And this 1,000 talents of silver is a lot of money. It is, it is the lifetime, I, I think I remember this correctly. 
It is the lifetime employment wage of 41,000 men. I think I have that right. Something, it was, a, it was a, an obscene amount of money. So he's taking money from the kingdom and paying Assyria so that uh, Assyria won't attack them. And Assyria just walks over the borders and takes whatever village or whatever land they want to. Nobody's going to stop them. So he, his, Assyria begins to nibble at them and weaken them. And they have no king in place who's going to do anything about it. Menachem. Now, this, uh, this whole story is beginning to sound familiar to me. Menachem exacted the money from Israel. He took the people's money and he paid off another king. Uh, from all the mighty warriors that each man give 50 shekels of silver and the king of Assyria returned and did not remain there in the land. The rest of the events of Menachem and all that he did are written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. Menachem slept with his forefathers and Pekahiah, his son, reigned in his stead. So now still in the northern kingdom, here's the next guy. In the 50th year of Azariah, the king of Judah, Pekahiah, the son of Menachem, reigned over Israel in Samaria for two years. Now his name, there he is, he has Yahweh in his name. Yahweh has given the right, or Yahweh has given me the right. So this guy, here is this form of godliness, but denying the power. Somehow people still want to bring in the name of God somehow, but it doesn't mean anything to him. He did that which was evil in the eyes of Yahweh. He did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he caused the Israelites uh, to sin. Pichah, the son of Remaliah, his officer, revolted against him. More violence. He struck him down in Samaria in the inner chamber of the king's palace, near the palace, and near the lion, and with him were 50 men of the Gileadites, and he slew him, and he became king and reigned in his stead. The rest of the events of Pekahiah and all that he did are written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel. So then here comes this guy, Pekah, uh, northern king, the reign of Pekah in Israel. In the 52nd year, of Azariah, the king of Judah, Pichah, the son of Remaliah, reigned over Israel in Samaria for 20 years. Now, that's a long time. His name, Pichah, means the watchfulness of Yahweh or the illumination of Yahweh. And he did what was evil in the eyes of Yahweh. He did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he had caused Israel uh, to commit. In the days of Pekah, the king of Israel, Teglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, came and took Ejon, uh, Abelbeth-Meacha, Genoa, Kadesh, Hazor, Gilead, and Galilee, the entire land of Naphtali, and he exiled them to Assyria. So he's already making his move. The, the, the king is not protecting the boundaries, and so this guy's just coming in and, and claiming uh, the, outer, the outer regions of the land, making them his own. And he takes these people, exiles them to Assyria. In other words, he amalgamates them into the culture of Assyria and they more or less are like slaves. And Hoshe, the son of Elah, revolted against Pichah, 
the son of Amalia, and he struck him and slew him and reigned in his stead in the 20th year of Jotam, the son of Uzziah. And the rest of the events of Pechah and all that he did are written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. Now, we go back in Second Chronicles. This is the next thing in Second Chronicles where we left off there last time. And also there's a mention in 2 Kings 15, the reign of Jotham, who is the king of Judah, a son of David. In the second year of Pechah, the son of Remaliah, the king of Israel, Jotham, the son of Uzziah, Uzziah uh, the king of Judah became king. He was 25 years old when he became king and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok. And he did, he did what was right in the eyes of Yahweh, like all that his father Uzziah or Uzziah did, he did. However, now that's bad. However, the high places were not removed. The people were still slaughtering sacrifices and burning incense on the high places. And he built the upper gate of the house of Yahweh. And the rest of the events of Jotham and all that he did are written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah. In those days, Yahweh began to incite Rezin, the king of Aram, and Pechah, the son of Remaliah, against Judah. And Jotham slept with his forefathers, and he was buried with his forefathers in the city of David, his father. And Ahaz, his son, reigned in his stead. Okay, so sin, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Sin is beginning to increase in the hearts of the people. And the king is not doing what he could have done about it. It will ultimately lead to the demise and enslavement of the southern kingdom as well. Now here's what the uh, second chronicle says about the same thing. Jotham was 25 years old when he became king and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jerusha, the son of Zadok. He did what was proper in the eyes of Yahweh as all that his father Uzziah had done only he did not enter the temple of Yahweh, but the people were still acting corruptly. He built the upper gate of the house of Yahweh and the wall of the rampart he built extensively. He built cities in Mount Judah and in the forests. He built palaces and towers. He fought with the king of the sons of Ammon and he overpowered them. And, and uh, the sons of Ammon gave him in that year a hundred talents of silver, 10,000 core of wheat and 10,000 of barley, uh, this the sons of Ammon returned to him and in the second year and the third. When Jotham became powerful because he prepared his ways before Yahweh, his God. The rest of the affairs of Jotham and all of his wars and his ways, behold, they are inscribed in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. He was 25 years old when he became king and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. Jotham slept with his forefathers and they buried him in the city of David, his son Ahaz, reigned in his stead. Okay, so here's what's happening. We're going to stop here. Here's what ha what's happening. The northern kingdom is at this point just a shadow of what it was when it started. Sin has totally consumed the culture. And these who are the people of God have totally turned their backs on Yahweh and they'll be punished uh, for, for all that they've done. But because earlier in their history, Jehoshaphat, for example, began to buddy up with uh, 
the king Ahab of the northern kingdom, and then and then a cultural swap and and uh, and all these. They did not maintain the wall of partition between who they were in Judah and who the Israelites were in the northern kingdom, and so at first it was a trickle of influence and sin, but this trickle. Uh, becomes a mindset and uh, it, uh, it it becomes a stronghold in the southern kingdom and as we'll see until finally uh, the southern kingdom as well will collapse uh, because of their sin and because of their uh, refusal to acknowledge Yahweh as their God. Well, we're going to stop there and we'll have our deacon prayer time.